Welcome to Tuesdays with Andrea. It's the inspiration station for everyday people guiding humanity forward. I'm your host, Andrea Rios McMillan, and every week I pursue conversations that matter with people who can relate to the common struggles we all face. You'll get to know the person behind the profession and find commonality with people of all ages, cultures, and backgrounds. Listen as friends, neighbors, and coworkers offer meaningful, personal explorations of modern life and the values we hold dear, all for the purpose of strengthening and uplifting others. Thank you for tuning in to Tuesdays with Andrea podcast. In this episode, we're talking to Dorothy Allen. She's a dear friend and a nurse practitioner. She was born in Poland and moved to the United States when she was five years old. And she now practices pediatrics pediatrics, (laughs) locally here in Aurora. And she's also teaching. So thank you for joining, Dottie. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited too. So tell us about yourself. I'm going to, ooh, right off the bat. Ooh, um, right off the bat. <laughs> um, I don't know. Where do you want to start? Do you want to start from I was born on so-and-so day? And Were you born on a Thursday, I Friday, Wednesday, knows. Tuesday? <laughs> Who knows? Well, I mean, I guess... Uh, I mean, I was born in Poland and my parents were young and we, you know, I guess lived in our, my grandparents' house. And during that time, Poland was communist. So there wasn't really a lot for us there. So almost, I think after a year, we moved to Germany to um, go on vacation, quote unquote, to see the country. (laughs) But the whole plan was to just come to America. So did you know at the time? No, (laughs) no, it was just kind of like, we're going to go on a trip. (laughs) Yeah. And actually the plans were to stay there for like a little bit and then come to America. And my brother was born and that kind of derailed things a little bit. So, but I do remember when he was born. So I do have those memories when I was three. So I guess we lived there for like two years of like going shopping in like the town center, which is so fun for me to remember, like the cobblestone streets and yeah. like, but having my brother born and and me being like, cool, but like, when's he leaving? Like, <laughs> why are you, here? why are you here? And <laughs> were you a mean sister? No, I don't think so. I mean, that's I, a yes. <laughs> I, I don't think so. I think I was overprotective. So I'm like, I don't think I was mean because I was overprotective, but yeah, I am very overprotective of my brother. He's my only brother. And so. you're the older sister. Uh-huh, for sure. So so, is, so it's you two here. And so you moved here when you were about five years old. Yeah, and we moved in with my aunt and uncle who were here, who were the ones sending my parents letters saying how great Germany was for vacation and kind of telling us how to get to America and doing that whole thing. So yeah, I had a green card for a very long time. I think up until high school, when my mom took her citizenship test, at that time we were young enough that her citizenship then went to us. So I am a citizen of the United States. (laughs) So how did it feel having a green card? Did you feel like you belonged here? Did you feel like you were part of this country? Did it make you feel separate or what? Um, I guess I didn't really think about it. Like I didn't think about like, like you have a green card. Everyone else has like citizenship. I didn't even think about it. But once I had my citizenship, I'm like, oh, look at me. 
like I did, I did nothing for it, but look at me now. <laughs> like I'm a citizen. And I remember my mom studying for that test and I was like, Oh, these are hard questions. I'm like, I'm glad I'm not taking this test. Cause I don't think most Americans can pass that test. That's a hard test. To, and I was in like high school. So like taking, you know, all of social studies. And I'm like, Ooh, <laughs> those are hard questions. I'm like, good luck, mom. I'm but, currently learning this stuff and I don't know this. Oh yeah. It's really yeah. the only time I think I ever <laughs> felt, and it was had nothing to do with my green card was that I was a little bit different than the other kids is like, like the cultural aspect. You know, I think I mainly was friends with people that were of different cultures and minorities because I could connect with them. Like to me, like you understand that I eat different food and you eat different food and you just understand that you won't judge me. You won't. I remember being little and taking a lunch that my mom had made me. And I was like, Oh, why can't you just make me a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Why does it have to be some like complicated sandwich with some like crazy stuff on there? Now I'm like, oh, those sandwiches are so good. Why was I even like embarrassed of that? But, but when you're little, you want to fit in. So, yeah. but I remember I'd like hide my sandwiches in my lunchbox, my Little Mermaid lunchbox specifically, because it was so cool. <laughs> yeah. But those were the only times that kind of felt different or like traditions during Christmas or like we would celebrate on Christmas Eve. Why are all the other kids, why is Santa coming on Christmas Day and not Christmas Eve for them? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, because it's Polish Santa. It's different. He's on a different, <laughs> he's got a different route. Did you guys live in any type of Polish community or were there other Polish people around? No, which is so crazy to me that maybe that's why I was like looking for everyone that was like different. Or- yeah, and I don't want to say different, not, but yeah, my best friend, I mean, my best friend, to this day, Lisette Martinez, podcast <laughs> number, who knows what, season she, one. Yeah, I always connected with her because she had her culture and I had my culture and we just loved each other's cultures and we never made fun of each other. During Christmas time, we would make pierogi, like that's our Christmas tradition and her family would make tamales and we would always have every Christmas we would exchange, which was our like big thing, which I always loved to do. Aww. So yeah, and I love that. I love that culture of it to keep that culture. So, and then you grew up and life happens, right? Yeah, I grew up and well, so I always wanted to go to college. I would be the first one in my family, right? To go to college. So that was my ultimate goal. And so I was like, oh, I'll take care of, you know, looking for colleges. And and my parents would come with me and like, you know, I would see which one fit in. And then I'm like, I'll take care of like the loans and how to get, tuition stuff and how to pay for it. Right. Cause I mean, we didn't come from money, so I had to figure this out. Yeah. So I'm like, I'll do it. Cause I really want to go. So I got into Marquette university in Milwaukee, which was my like dream school. It, I always say, let me be the nerd I wanted to be. <laughs> <laughs> so I would see on TV, like college would be these big auditoriums and everyone's taking notes and, you know, like learning all these cool things. I'm like, this is the place. So I so like I, that. It let you be the nerd you wanted to I be. Did, yeah. I did so many cool things. I, <laughs> I learned so many cool things. I laugh with my husband because his electives, he tells me at school 
where archery and bowling and my electives I was so excited about were Shakespeare and embryology. And he's like, what is wrong with you? I'm like, I just thought they were so cool. (laughs) Like I could learn all these cool things. (laughs) Yeah. So that what inspired you to go into your profession? I always love science. Like I just loved it. I wanted to know why things were the way that they were and like what, especially like human science, if I can say that, but like, how are we made up? How do we work? How, what happens when things don't work? Like what is going on? And I love that even in high school. So I wasn't sure which direction I wanted to do research for a little while. And then do I want to go to medical school? And do I want to go to nursing school? I like, I had no idea, but I want to do something. And my senior year of high school that summer, my mom was diagnosed with stomach cancer and It was just like a lot on the family and she passed away my first year in college, which, you know, when she was in and out of the hospitals and I would just research everything about this, like stomach cancer. I've never heard of this. Like, what is this? And where was your dad? Was he around? He was. Yeah, he was around. He was around, but I don't think he knew how to handle all of it Mm -hmm. as well. He's not very like emotional person. So Mm. I think emotions just kind of get too much for him and he gets like overwhelmed. So um, So you kind of had to pick up that mantle. Ah, kind of. Yeah. Especially after my mom died for sure. I did. But yeah, after she died, I, uh, it was just a lot. And I got to thinking like who, who impacted her the most in the hospital was totally the nurses. She would talk so much about them. Like, oh, you know, they made me do this and we talked about this and they just made me feel so great. And, you know, they made me feel so much happier and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, whoa, that's, that's, that's a lot. Like, I want to do that. I want to help somebody feel better. You know, I want to be there when they're not feeling so great and I can like make them feel better. I don't know. It just, it was really impactful on me and, and a, probably a calling from the heart. Maybe yeah. I can make this difference. I yeah. can help someone in a similar transition. I can be there. Right. Right. And it was like, it was kind of like an epiphany where I was like, Whoa, I need to do that. And then I was talking to one of my friends in college in our dorm. She's like, why don't you just be a nurse practitioner? I'm like, what is that? <laughs> like, what kind of job is that? And yeah. she's like, you know, you get to help out and you get to diagnose and you get to order these labs with the help of the physician and, and you can do all that stuff. And I'm like, that sounds really awesome. So I looked into it. I'm like, that's it. That's what I want to do. So I finished up Marquette because I wanted my degree in biomedical sciences. Cause I really just loved everything about that degree because it let me be nerdy. Right. Mm-hmm. And I went to get my accelerated nursing degree at Loyola. And it was like a 13 month extreme like nursing program. Crash course. Seriously. It was eight hours a day, five days a week. And then I would work on the weekends so I could afford to drive all the way to Rogers Park. I think it, yeah, all the way to Rogers Park every single day. And would I do it again? I have no idea. That was so tough. "Mm -hmm." I don't know what, Uh, I I mean, I don't know. I have no idea if I would do it again, but I don't think they do that program anymore that short. I think they extended it out because it was intense. Yeah. I think we started with 140 people and it like 70 graduated. (laughs) So So you're elite. I I guess, or lucky. (laughs) I don't know what it was, but every day I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so scared. (laughs) So, and at that time, did you feel that this was still your track? Is still your calling? I'm where I'm supposed to be. I'm doing what I want to do, what I love. 
Yeah, I still did. And I was working as a CNA or a, a nursing assistant on a adult floor. And, you know, I learned so adult floor, adult <laughs> floor. Yeah. Well, cause I knew it wasn't where I belonged. Honestly, when I became a nurse practitioner in Milwaukee, I started my career on the oncology floor, which I had to wrestle with because I'm like, do I want to work on a cancer floor after what just happened? Am I tough enough for that? Can I handle that? I don't know. So I had to be like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. Maybe my experience, I'll help somebody feel better, different, or I don't know. I can understand more. So after Milwaukee, I worked on an adult floor and I learned so much from the nurses there. They were so great. They would teach me so many things and I would go to school and be like, I already saw that. I already did that. Somebody already showed me how to do that. Like it was, it was great, but they offered me a job and I was like, oh, but I really love pediatrics. Like yeah. that I, I never saw myself working like as a nurse and with adults. Mm. I just didn't. Yeah. It just wasn't, you know, what I loved. But then the pick you at Rush called me. I was like, oh my gosh, yes. Please let me have this job. <laughs> yes. Like, yes. yes. Yeah. And that was, that was scary, but it was so much learning. Yeah. So much. And so many, I mean, there were good and bad parts. Obviously it's a pick you, it's an ICU and bad things happen. And, but when you like fix a patient and then the parents thank you, it's like the best feeling. How do you deal with being around so much trauma every day? Yeah, it's, it got to be a lot. I think. Like, how do you handle that? I think the biggest thing was talking with your coworkers because they understand like at home, nobody wanted to really, they don't want to hear the bad things, even though you had to talk about them. Cause to me, I'm a talker. I like to talk it out. If I don't like say it, it's going to just live inside. Yeah. It's just going to make things worse for me. So having my coworkers me able to talk with them through it and got me through a lot. So very grateful for them. It was like, I worked night shift there and we were legit like a family. If an alarm would go off in your room, everybody would come in and be like, are you okay? Do you need help? You would never have to ask for it. They would just be there. So they would always have your back. They, I don't know. It was just great. The teamwork was, was awesome. Wow. Yeah. And, and then you finished your program. Yeah. And while I was at Rush, I did my graduate program for my doctorate. And so I worked full time and then I did school part time, but it didn't feel like part time towards the end because you, I had to do so much clinical. So Mm -hmm. I was pretty busy, but I'm like, well, this is my goal. This is what I want. I'm almost there. Right. It's in rush. It was hard. Like the the university was hard. Do you love what you do? I do. And where do you work to explain to people where you work right now? Okay. So I work at the VNA, which is a visiting nurses association, and it mainly helps patients with low income Medicaid, no income. We treat a lot of patients that are homeless or just came here from another country. And like the stories that they tell, I mean, it's just remarkable. I, we just see everybody and anybody. And that clinic that you work at has a yeah. special place in my heart. Cause I went to that clinic yeah. when I found out I was pregnant with John, John, I was in college, had no money, no insurance. And I went to that clinic and it was, it's, pivotal moment because I'm like, my life is changing forever. Now I have to, you know, what am I going to do? Right. And I just remember the doctor and the nurses, like what you said with your mom, 
they know how to handle that situation. Mm-hmm. They know how to talk to you. They didn't care that I didn't have money. I was a little embarrassed because I was on Medicaid and I just couldn't, right? right. They knew exactly how, what to say, how to, and I created a game plan from right. after I left the clinic, I went to the, uh, I don't know, I don't forget where I went, but I, I applied for everything else. And I right. just felt like I had resources. I had people behind me who were qualified, experienced, and I knew my health was in good care. Yeah, and that's the biggest thing is we don't want the patients to feel embarrassed that they have Medicaid, to feel embarrassed that where things are right now for them, you know? And that's my biggest thing is when I'm taking care of patients. So with, you know, with you talking about going there for care, I I make sure that if I have a mom that is a teenage mom, that when I, and if like the grandma's there, I make sure I talk to the mom, like this is your child. I'm talking to you. What are your questions? What are your concerns? Because I don't want them to feel like they're too young to be in charge of their own kid. And I had an NP that mentored me that told me that she's like, make sure you always look the mom in the eye. The grandma's there for support, but the mom is number one for the conversations. And I was like, oh, that's that's big. I didn't even think about that. Huge. Yeah. So to make sure that the moms know like, Hey, you're important. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to rely on you to tell me what your concerns are. And you're in charge here. You're in charge. Yeah. Yeah. You're in charge. Not, not grandma and grandma might help, you know, which is awesome because, you know, sometimes they don't have help, but you know, if you have a concern or if you think something that maybe grandma said, you're like, I don't know. Is that old school? Should I really be doing that? Mm-hmm. You can ask. What has been the impact of COVID on your profession? Oh gosh, like <laughs> everything. How, how have changed. you been, how have you managed through this year? I have no idea. I um, we at the beginning were seeing nobody. We so usually I see about thirty patients a day in like an eight hour day, and it's hectic. It's crazy. It's just go 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 go. And then COVID happened and we had to have restrictions and then families were scared, rightfully so. So they wouldn't come in for their well checks or anything else that was going on. So I would see six patients in like a day, which I was like, what is happening? And then we changed to telemedicine, which telemedicine was such a learning curve. It's like, how much can I tell them over the phone? What kind of advice can I actually give them without listening to this patient or, you know, or having that clear of a picture on my video, you know, can Mm. I diagnose a rash over the camera? I don't know. And, but things got a little bit easier and, you know, you started to figure out like, okay, if it's something really serious, you have to bring them in, you know, you start to figure out the differences. And so that happened. And then, and, you know, as time went on, we would encourage parents, Parents like, hey, one clinic is just for well visits, so nobody sick comes in. So bring your kids to that clinic. And we have to give them their shots. We have to check on them, you know? And then the other clinic would be for sick visits, and we'd have to navigate that. Did you get your vaccination, girl? I did. I got both. Um, and You're I got, brave. I know. I mean, I, I was hesitant at first. Like, I'm not going to lie. This is new stuff. But, you know, I was talking to a lot of colleagues and doctors and nurses and professionals I truly trust in their knowledge and their research. And I'm like, you know what? I got to do it. I got to do it. And I had to look into the science too of it. Like, okay, why 
does it not cause this? Or why do I not need to be concerned about this? What is the, you know, biology behind this? Like, what is mRNA? I got to go figure out again, mm-hmm. back from a long time ago, what mRNA is, why it doesn't do certain things. So I had to take a very scientific approach to my, to yeah. my decision. But I'm like, if the smartest people I know are going to get the vaccine, I mean. You're going to get it too. I, I would get so. it if I could. I know. It's been really hard. When we're still, and our clinic has been giving vaccines, you know, and we've been doing a pretty good job, I think. And so my clinic was my clinic. Can you guys just like, I I mean, I wish, but it's just so hard to get an appointment, rightfully so, because we have to figure out like supply and we have to figure out, you know, timing of your, your vaccine and who needs to go first and all of that stuff. And so the, the clinic that I work at, has been one of the first clinics that has been giving out the COVID vaccine. And, and they were around since 1918, like the Spanish flu, which is kind of, I think what started that whole clinic is just uh, helping the population through that. So I'm like, rightfully so that we would be giving the COVID vaccine now. Right. And like Mm -hmm. helping the community. So, so I'm pretty proud of that, that we, you know, I was a little scared. I'm like, oh my gosh. And I, I have to give the vaccine. So I'm like, I have to give a vaccine to an adult. I'm like, what are people happy when they get it? Yeah. They're so excited. I mean, are they scared? Yeah. But I try to make it fun and like lighthearted because it is, it's, it's a big thing. It's, um, and it's scary and you want to feel normal again. And if this is going to make you feel one step closer to normal and seeing your family, then yeah, worth it. Then it's worth it. And I had actually somebody that actually came in and it was her birthday and um, I'm like oh you're getting a shot on your birthday she's like this is the greatest birthday gift I've ever gotten and she started crying and I'm like you know like so-and-so it's so early in the morning for me to cry like you can't make me cry too and we were just like tearing up I'm like this is awesome like I I love what I do I'm so grateful that I can do this even though I was scared to give shots to adults, I'm like, what's going to, like, what? <laughs> you have such a demanding job and it's an intense job. Yeah. How do you leave work and then go home and forget about that? Yeah, I, I think the big thing of that is I don't forget. I think I just kind of, I go home and I think about and I, because I have to chart when I get home too, right? So, so I like to think about it and different perspectives, like, do I need to follow up with this patient again? And I like to research a little bit more. There are different angles I need to look at for this one patient with their complicated case. So I don't, I just, I can't just turn it off. And I tell my husband that I'm like, I, you get to just like, just be done at four. Right. And I have to, I'm, I can't, I just keep on going, but to relax, I mean, I'll, I mean, I used to love planning vacations, but that hasn't happened in the last Daddy year. is the planner. I am. And we love it. And then she gets so mad. Yeah. When we, because there's a lot of people, there's like eight couples or. It's so complicated. You plan the most amazing trips and you go to, you know, everywhere. You, you've you yeah. traveled literally, you and Chris, yeah. everywhere. What's your most favorite place? I, I don't know. It's so hard to say because I love every place that we've gone to for different reasons. And there's this quote that I feel like that I feel like something that you would find on a sign at Hobby Lobby, which I'm not opposed to because I love Hobby Lobby. Love, love. But collect memories, not things. And it like so resonates with me because I'm like, oh, these memories from all these different countries we went to, you know, that serotonin just like boost when you like buy something, but it's so short, right? You buy it and you're like, cool, this TV 
five years from now, I'm not even going to think about it anymore. But you go back and you think, oh my gosh, remember when we went to New Zealand and we did so-and-so and I'm even now like so happy about it. Like that serotonin rush of just like happiness of such a cool adventure and so many memories. So like, that's a cool adventure. I went with my girlfriends then, and we would go on a trip, something crazy like that, like every two years. Cause I mean, it would be expensive. So we would backpack around and we would just have the best memories. What did you learn from those trips? Well, I learned about myself that I am such a planner. I think that's when it all started where people are like, whoa, like you, you really just plan everything, don't you? <laughs> I remember, and I laugh with my friend Lisette about this, but I'm like, I'll plan out a trip because I'm like, we need to do everything as much as possible in the short amount of time we're going to be there. So I have this full itinerary ready to go. And I'll be like, okay, but Dorothy, don't be crazy. So let them choose something. <laughs> like, let them pick give them something. A choice. Give them a choice, right? And I'll be send out emails. I'll be like, what do you guys want to do? No one would ever respond. And I'm like, fine, whatever. I'll just do whatever I want then. Yeah. And they would laugh about it. But I'm like, but then I feel like I have all the control and I don't want to be that crazy person that. But it's not crazy. We want you to have that control. <laughs> we want you to take care of every detail I, and we'll show up. Yes. All I need you to do is show up. And have a great attitude. That's right. That's <laughs> all I ask. Are you yeah. afraid of heights? Yeah. I think after that, especially <laughs> like I will freak out if I look over the edge of like a very high, like staircase or something. Have like, you gone to the Grand Canyon? No. Oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> no. Like I will freak out. I will freak out. No, but I still, but I still like to the mountains and I still like hiking. And so as we, me and Chris got married in Switzerland and I mean, it's really high over there and you're like on a train and you're going through the mountains and <sighs> You just kind of have to let that go. But Those pictures, though. Yeah. I would love to go to Switzerland. New Zealand, too. But uh, yeah. Switzerland. Switzerland. Specifically the Alps. Yes. And Switzerland. Oh. And we went to Grindelwald is where we went for our wedding. And it was so beautiful. And so me and Chris had gone through, which, by the way, for our reunion, I'd really love for me to plan for all of our friends to go to Switzerland. <laughs> Don't worry. I got, I got the planning. So. Okay, once we all get the vaccine. Right. Well, this is not happening anytime soon. So I know. <laughs> this may have to be our 10 year anniversary when this happens. You know, they're but. talking like regular travel is not going to resume until I think 2024. Oh, I believe it. And that makes me sad because it's, you know, that was like a big part of my life. So I've been trying I don't know. It's not the same. It really makes me sad because the planning part makes me so happy. Yeah. It does. And to find these things to do. And it does make me sad because I, I want to explore more places and have more moments, have more adventures. And mm -hmm. so we have to have different adventures now that are safer. Yeah. So, but yeah, but one day again, go to Switzerland and we'll yeah. get there. We yeah. will get there. Yeah. And I'd love for, you know, when me and Chris went backpacking the first time that I took him to Europe to visit my family in Poland, which is so crazy to me. He's not Polish, right? No. What is he? He's my, well, my dad will call him my American boyfriend for <laughs> American so, boyfriend. Yeah, for so long. And now he's my American husband who he's, He's just American, right? American Chris. American Chris. <laughs> American Chris. Um, right. I'm going to call it. You're right. Start calling it. Hey, American Chris. American Chris. <laughs> What's up, American Chris? <laughs> he never had a passport before he met me. So, I mean, I think he was in for a ride when he met because I don't think he knew. The ride of his life. Yeah. How fast my brain goes into all the things I want to do all the time. And it can be a little exhausting, I think, but... 
But yeah, the first, I'm like, let's go to Maine. Let's explore Maine. Let's go to Punta Cana. And he had to get a passport and like, let's go to Europe. And, and he he's loves like, it now. He does. Loves it. He does. And I never know because he doesn't like show too much emotion. But I remember when we were on the train into Switzerland and he came off the train and, you know, there was no mountains for a long time. And all of a sudden the mountains opened up and you're like, whoa, this is so cool. And he got off the, the train and there's a picture I took of him and he's like smiling. And even his mom is like, that's the happiest I've seen him. That picture just shows you how happy he is, that he was in such a cool place. And I remember saying to him like one day, Chris, I want to bring like our family and friends here. I want yeah. them to see how cool this is too. And to me, it's so cool that I was able to do that with, with them for our wedding, yeah. which to me, like, we didn't have this big, you know, big wedding and all these things. Like that wasn't me. That's not my style. But to have everyone have their own little like vacation when they yeah. were there and their own little experiences was amazing. How did you two meet? Uh, it's cool. <laughs> no, we, I met him through a friend and she worked with him. And I remember, and I knew her from college, from Marquette. And we had dinner and she's like, hey, do you want to hang out with my work friends? They're like at a bar down the block. I'm like, okay, yeah, that sounds fun. Let's do that. And she's like, do you like guys with dark hair? I was like, don't. Uh-uh. I'm like, you are not setting me up with somebody. <laughs> and she's like, no, I mean, he's so nice. You should really like get to know him. I was like, ugh. Are you still friends with her? I am. I mean, we're not as close, but yeah, I'm still friends with her. And I'm like, ah, oh, fine, I'll and I'll just go, but like, don't expect anything. Her name's Jackie. I'm like, Jackie, don't like, just be casual, Jackie. Don't make it like a big <laughs> be, deal. Be cool, be Jackie. Be cool, Jackie. <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> so we went there and I was like, oh, this guy, he's so quiet. I'm like, Jackie, I'm like so chatty. He's not even talking to me. And so I'm like, ah, all right, I'll just talk the whole time. It's fine. And, and I don't know. It just, I don't know. I just oh, seem so to like him. Did he get, ask for your number? Did he you did. Get... Yeah. And then he called me the next day and I just met up with him for like lunch when he was at work once. And it was from It was there. a wrap. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know what it was. It was something different about him. I think I just felt like I could just be myself mm -hmm. and just be as weird as possible. And for some reason he didn't judge me for it. I was like, what is the max weird I can be with him and see where this can take <laughs> us? <laughs> so yeah, but he says that I've made him weird, but his mom says that's not true. He's always been weird. So, <laughs> so we're just weird we together. We won't put that part on you. No. <laughs> but we will say that, yeah, you opened up his world to travel. Yeah. And uh, I, I remember talking to him once, and this is when I was just starting to get to know you guys. Yeah. And- we were talking about he doesn't like cats at first. Mm-hmm. And you, you're- Cats. He doesn't like cats? <laughs> Our two cat children would be mortified to oh, hear he this. he didn't like cats at first, right? I know. Yeah. I'm like, wait, I got the story right, right? Yeah. Yeah, he didn't. He was a dog person. I mean, he still is a animal yeah. person. He loves animals, like, but he never had a connection with cats. Right. You know. He didn't have that connection. And then he was also talking about how he didn't really, he's not, he doesn't like to go out and- no. You know, like do things all like he's the opposite no. of you. He's the right homebody. I don't even want doesn't to doesn't chat a lot. No, like he doesn't. He's a man of silence. Right. He doesn't need to chat. Right. right. He's just takes it in. Yeah. <laughs> takes it all in. But I remember him talking about uh, 
that trip to Switzerland mm-hmm. and just the way his eyes lit up yeah. when he, he was like, and then, and he told me about the mountains and I knew from him talking about it, mm-hmm. how much of the, of an experience that was. Mm-hmm. And then from there, that's when we were also talking about cats and how that opened him up. And I'm like, <laughs> that opened up the world. <laughs> Daddy, you got the man. It, it. It's just a wrap. <laughs> I've just changed. I know he got the travel bug from me for sure. And that's what I was waiting for. I'm like, I knew it was going to hit you. I knew it. You want more adventures. Maybe not as crazy as like, cause I will go from country to country to country, maybe so fast paced where it's almost too much. And he's kind of taught me to slow it down and enjoy the moment, which I'm like, whoa, enjoy the moment. He's like, you just go from, you want to go here and here and here, but we don't actually just enjoy the place we're in. So why don't we just narrow down the countries to not just go to like C10, but maybe C4 that are just, and really enjoy those. I was like, Oh, okay. I mean, I guess. Mm-hmm. So he's really have helped me just slow down and enjoy the moment. Do you feel like some of that is 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 part of the achiever in you? Oh man, totally. Like a check mark. I need to hit all of these points, right? Because you achieved in school. You're achieving yeah. in your career. I, I, you, you've done professionally what a lot of people won't. Yeah. A lot of people just wouldn't put that time. Really wouldn't put the energy into and the commitment and the sacrifice. And, and achieving, right? Mm-hmm. I think I could see how that traveling can turn into the same thing, like X, 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 X. It must be. And I haven't even thought about it that way. I just really want those memories. Like yeah. I just want them. I just, I want that, you know, when we think back and I, I just want that feeling of just happiness of being, you know, seeing these places. I think a lot of it had to do with when my mom was dying, she I remember talking with her and her best friend at the time. And when you get better, we're going to go to Hawaii. We're going to plan that trip. And I think it was probably me because I was always planning trips from the start probably. But, and she's like, yeah, we'll do that. I always wanted to see Hawaii and she always wanted to travel, but she didn't get to do that. She didn't go. She died before that happened. And I was like, oh, she didn't get to do or see those things she wanted to. And part of me is like, I need to do all those things. Cause I need, you know, to know I did as much as I could and I saw as much as I could. And I had so many memories that mm-hmm. that's what was important to me. So that's probably why my brain is so fast forward all the time. Like, Yeah. And it seems like she inspired that sense of urgency. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to live this life. This is the only life I have. Right. And, right. and you don't, you don't take life for granted because you've seen it taken away from you. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing is how much has my mom's passing impacted me. It's impacted me in every single aspect of my life. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I definitely don't take life for granted. Time is not something that's guaranteed Mm -hmm. to anybody. So, you know, I, I, you know, my husband will be like, oh, we need to save for retirement. We can travel so much then. I'm like, I don't think that way. I, it's not guaranteed. Nothing's guaranteed. My mom was 38 years old when she passed away she didn't have the time, you know, to do all of that. So I have to strike a balance between, you know, living in the moment and fast forward and, you know, thinking about retirement and the present as well. So I have to find that balance, which I'm still, you know, still trying to work on. That is so young. I'm, I think I'm 36, mm-hmm. 37, one of those. Wow. It is young. How, how do you overcome that? I don't and, know. And <laughs> 
we've talked before about this concept of like motherless daughters, right? Mm-hmm. Your, your mom, do you feel like, what is that? Explain, explain that. What does that even feel like? I don't even know. I tell Chris, so it's been actually this March will be, I think 17 years since she passed away. And, you know, Chris never got to meet her. And it's part of me is like, she never got to meet him. Like this very important person in my life. And and I always think, I bet they'd be such good friends. I bet she'd think he was so funny or like, cause she had the same quirky like personality as me. I'm like, I don't know if he'd be able to handle like me and her together in the same room. Cause we'd be so like. What's your favorite um, memory of her? I don't even know. There's so many. We just had, I think just like being with her and hanging out with her and just laughing with her. And she was always there. And you know, when I would have like a bad day at like Marquette when I first started I would call her and she'd be like it's okay you can do better next time like you know and I remember after after a week after she died I'm like I have to go back to school like I can't be within these walls anymore and always thinking about it I need to go back so I went back and I had like a chemistry test the next week and I bombed it I didn't do well I had missed so many classes and I remember sitting on the bench and calling her And then I was like, oh my gosh, she is not going to answer you. She's not there anymore. And that like was a slap in the face, like a serious realization. Like you're going to have to deal with these emotions on your own or find somebody else. I don't know who my dad wasn't good with emotions. So I'm like, it's not going to be him. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and you know, I I think I just kind of kept it to myself. I'm like, all right, well, I got to do better or, you know. I got to keep on going. But, and then I remember walking back to my dorm, being in the elevator with like a mom and daughter and the, and the daughter was so mean to her mom. And I just want to be like, just stop, like be better to her. You're like, you have, there's no guarantee you're going to regret this. And I think that's the biggest thing is time is not guaranteed with your family or your friends. And so conflict and is just, it just needs to be resolved. It's not worth it. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to get over things. They're not that serious, right? So, because you never know, you might not see the person the next day. Mm-hmm. So then you're going to live with that regret. That's awful. That's even worse. So grudges. How, not worth it. They're not worth it. No. How do you deal with Mother's Day? <laughs> I don't know. It's, you know, I've been so fortunate to have, so the, the book that I read when I first, when this first happened, I have it on the table. It's motherless daughters. We'll show it to the camera. Oh, show it to the camera. I brought it as a prop because you know, why not? But, and I hadn't read it for (laughs) since 17 years ago and I was looking through it, but I love it. A courageous journey into the heart of a woman's most profoundly life altering passage. I mean, it is, it's, It's a lot. I mean, I never thought about it when it first started, but as I'm getting older, I'm like, look at all these big things. She wasn't there for my wedding, right? When I graduated college, when I became all these things I told her I was going to become, and she told me to finish school, don't come home and take care of like everybody. You need to finish. So she wasn't there for that. I still feel her, you know, like I know. Do you feel her presence? Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I do. And I'm like, is it just my like brain just tricking me? If it is fine, whatever, but I'll accept it just to make myself feel better that maybe it's her talking to me. I remember graduating and walking 
I got my doctorate. I was like, oh my gosh, look at me. And I remember walking and hearing like, I'm so proud of you. And I'm like, what? And I'm like, is that my brain? Like, it's totally my brain. Just telling me if I'm like, that oh. was your mom. I'm like, could you, I'm like, I'm going to just say that that was my mom. Cause it kind of like surprised me. And I was like, okay. I'm like, all right, we got this. So, and walking, I was like, oh my gosh, I feel so cool. <laughs> like That's my doctorate. And, you know, seeing my family in the stands and seeing my husband and his family, like my in-laws who are such a blessing to me. Oh my gosh. I'm so grateful for them because they have welcomed me into the family since day one. Like they've never treated me as like an outsider. Mm -hmm. I was always a uh, family. Would well, so, they choose you over Chris? Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I feel like my dad would choose Chris over me. So it's like, it goes, it's, fair trade. <laughs> it's a fair trade, <laughs> but no, I, and you know, I'm on purpose when I call them to make sure they're doing okay. Or I, I will talk, I think, talk to his mom more mm -hmm. than he or his sister probably do. I just, I, I just love chatting with her. And I think part of it is that I see so much of her or my mom and her. Like, she's like almost like the same personality. And I told her once, I'm like, I don't want you to feel pressure about this, but I kind of feel like you're my like, and not, and in the book, they say this, like, who's your mother's substitute? And I'm like, mother substitute. What is that? And, and she's kind of become that. She's been my, like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know. She just like helps me get through life. Yeah. She supports me in everything. That motherly figure. She is my motherly figure. And I'm so grateful for her. And, and I know not a lot of people are fortunate enough to have good relationship with their in-laws or their mother-in-law, especially, but I am so grateful. And I always told Chris, I'm like, I don't think I could date a guy where I didn't get along with their mom. And I told him from the beginning, like I could never, yeah. Because it's so important to me. Wow. So, yeah. And so she totally is that for me. And she'll call me and see how I'm doing. And she'll always say like, oh, you're, you know, technically you have a doctorate. So you're Dr. Allen now, right? Dr. Allen. Yeah. I'm like, well, no. I mean, like, like with a doctorate, doctor. Can and you say she, it though, if you have? I mean, I can, but I don't. Because it, it gets confusing to like, you know, but, but I'm like, well, yeah. And she's like, oh, it's the first doctor in our family with a doctorate and first of the Allens. And I was like, Oh my gosh, she just so includes me. And, and they're so proud of me of everything I do, mm -hmm. but she'll be real with me too. And she'll call me out when I'm, <laughs> you know, yeah. acting crazy. And I appreciate that from, I do appreciate that from my family and friends. Uh. Cause you know, if you can't be real with somebody then you're not evolving as a human, right? Yeah. And you're not connecting on a level that you could Right. That's a deep connection, you know, if, that you can be real with somebody and say, hey, like what you did was kind of crazy or, yeah. hey, you know, maybe next time we shouldn't do this or blah, blah, blah. And that's big, mm -hmm. you know, and not taking it where not taking it poorly, like you're a bad person. No, it's just how we grow. Like no one's perfect. No so, one is perfect. Yeah. What drives you now? Right. Like how, what's your life philosophy now? Um, what drives me now? I don't know. I, I think just my, you know, my family drives me, my, I still want to be high achieving. So I'm, and still learn new things. My patients drive me because they'll have new cases or I'll be like, I've never heard of this. Let's look into it. Let's research. Let's, you know, do this and that. And so that drives me. So wait, so, so you started Fireside Stitch. Yes. And 
Where do you want to take this? I don't know. I mean, mogul in the making, building your empire. You don't know. I don't think my hands can knit that fast, but yeah, it's not scalable. I don't know. Like a mass production, right? Then where's the heart? Where is the heart? Where is that? How do we do that? Yeah. I mean, I'd love to at one point, well, actually next year I would love to sell in like a, a market of some sort, like a fall market. I'm like, that's so my vibe, but just in the fall, selling my hats at like a stand. How cute. So my vibe. I would love to do that. COVID kind of uh, took that away a little yeah. bit. So kind of put that on hold, but I hopefully next year mm-hmm. I can get that done and maybe venture out into like small little boutiques where they have those, you know, unique pieces and mm. maybe do that. So that would be so fun for me. I would love that. You would love that. I can just I- keep on buying yarn, right? And like, who likes shopping for yarn? Me (laughs) all the time. Boxes of it It just comes to my house and Chris will freak out. Okay. So where do you get the most satisfaction? Um, When are you the happiest? When am I the happiest? I think, and don't tell my husband this, but when I'm spending time with him, I, yeah, don't tell him that because I don't want him to get like, like, oh, of course, (laughs) but Um, but we just, we just have so much fun together. Like every day we laugh about something stupid and it just makes things. Did you laugh about something stupid? Yeah. (laughs) Of course. Always. Every day. No one else would think was funny, but we just think it's just so funny or I'll do something weird and he'll just laugh at me and we just have so much fun. I don't know. Now that it's winter time, like I think he's happy because I don't force him to go outside and do things (laughs) because there's nothing to do. But once that snow melts, Chris, we're going outside. On like Donkey Kong. (laughs) We're going to go for those 30 mile bike rides. We're going to go and explore. So be ready. So he's your happy place. Ah, yeah. Chris. Yeah, he is. He is my happy place. And he, he makes me calm. I think like my brain is so like, I need to do this, 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 and this. And he just is like, well, why don't we just like relax? Well, you know, it's not that urgent or we can do that later. Another happy place for me, I think is his parents have a lake house. And when I first went there, I was like, whoa, this place is so tranquil (laughs) like and quiet and just happy. And that is like my natural Xanax I don't know <laughs> like just a natural uh it just makes me feel calm there yeah like I don't stress there you just relax the lake house yeah what are your goals my goals um I don't know travel more be I don't know keep I don't know pursuing more in my career maybe taking more of an administrative role eventually I, there's so many I, I don't keep on teaching. I love teaching so much. It makes me so happy. Like when the, and then the students tell me like, you just cleared up a lot of things for me that I just didn't understand. I was like, oh my gosh, look at me. (laughs) Look at me me having an impact on the future. (laughs) But, (laughs) But I was like, oh, I like that. I like that I'm making like positive changes for them. So they navigate nursing easier. Cause you know, that saying that nurses eat their young and have you ever heard of that? No. So, and they always say nurses eat their young, meaning that, you know, nurses have been around for a long time will make the new nurses feel inadequate or not to say bully them, but like Almost treat like them harsher. Yeah. Hazing um, to make them tougher, right. To be able to 
uh, stand all the things that you have to during nursing. But I don't think that that's a good way. That's how you kind of beat people down and they don't develop confidence that way or, or want to ask you questions. Do I want to ask that nurse that was mean to me questions if I'm, no, not at all. So I, you know, try to tell them like, don't be this way to nursing students. If you, if it ever happens to you, Mm -hmm. be a good nurse that helps people that are learning and answers those questions. So, so I do love teaching for that to, to tell them those things. How you mentioned it's, you don't think that that's the best way to inspire confidence or build confidence. Mm -hmm. What was an area, like, how do you develop confidence in yourself? Um, I think just, I think it depends on what area of my life it, it is with work. It's seeing like good outcomes for my patients or, actually them coming back to me as just, they just want to see me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, look at me again. They just are my, my regular. This is going to be your quote. Look, look at, at me. At least <laughs> don't it. make that as my quote, <laughs> but, but they're like my regulars. And I love that. And I feel so honored that they want me all the time to take care of their children yeah. and for guidance. And so I don't have kids, so it's not like I have any personal experience, but But you I have do. so many kids in the world. Well, I have experience from all these parents that tell me this didn't work, this worked, this is the best thing that worked, or I can tell them this is what we read about. These are all the ideas I have for you that you can try. Let's try any one of these ideas. So I can put all of those experiences together mm -hmm. of a different perspective too. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, but it's great. So that's where my confidence comes from. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. But then my students too, I think if I make an impact, at least on some of my students. I'm sure. Yeah. You got, probably get the, all the time, somebody coming back and saying, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I love that. I do. Cause I'm like, oh, all of that hard work and is worth it. And and I do want to eventually start like tutoring too for others, not just within the school that I teach, but for other schools, nursing. Because I, I do take time to help my students outside of the classroom too. We'll do a Zoom call. Let's go through math problems together because it's so hard to do like nursing math. And let's go through math problems together. And I'll do that for like an hour with them. And they'll be like, I finally get it. And that aha moment, I'm like, yes, <laughs> we did it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, I want to do that for other people. You know, might as well. Might as well. Mm -hmm. So especially now during COVID, because kids are, are behind. Kids yeah. need help. Kids are needing tutors like never before. Right. So, right. yeah. So I'm like, let's, I'm going to try to do some tutoring too. So yeah. that's my next, my next adventure, I think. Some online tutoring. It's <laughs> so adventurous. <laughs> What's a sore spot? that you have. <laughs> <laughs> Just give me one daddy. Not the, not the list. <laughs> I don't have a list. Um, I think no, one I'm of joking. my, I mean, if we're going to talk about like sciences just recently in this last year that the public just doesn't believe in science anymore. And it's makes me so sad because science has been my whole career. Like evidence-based practice is a big concept. The practice that, you you do the things you do are with evidence right you don't do things without having evidence that it works so that's evidence-based practice you do it because there's evidence that it works and for some reason it's are we not. are you talking specifically about the vaccine and people's resistance to getting the vaccine and then taking that as they are not trusting the science 
I, you know, and it's vaccine hesitancy. Like I get it. I get it. Like it's not uh, that I get that we need to maybe inform the population more about, you know, these are why these concerns are not scientifically based and why this can't happen and all that. I think I'm more with the ones that say COVID is not real because that is a slap in the face that this is all a conspiracy and we're making this all up. And then I have friends in the ICUs that are struggling mentally. Like this is too much to see, you know, people are dying all the time and, you know, things have gotten a little bit better now, but at the beginning and it was a lot. And for people to say it's a pandemic, I hate that term. The whole world planned. I've never even heard that term until right now. Pandemic. That the whole world conspired together to to do what? I don't know. Oh, I you know what? I've heard of the theory. The theory was that it was like the global mm-hmm. leaders of the world conspired together to basically shut down to confirm the election and then Oh, just for our country. No, for other countries too. Oh, because a lot of other countries are still going through elections as well, or if they're democratic. But you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I I don't think there's a lot of truth, (laughs) but I don't know. And I, I, and the I have no idea. I I don't know what what is is that. But it's happening. It's happening. It's not fake. It's going on in the hospitals. It's you know I have patients that have it. I that are struggling. And I know people that have had COVID and they are still struggling. It's been months and they're still having symptoms from it. So these are real things. These are not just the flu. It's, it doesn't behave exactly like the flu. Sure. Okay. Runny nose, fever, body aches, sure. Flu. Microclots and strokes and heart attacks. That's not very typical of the flu, but that's what's going on with COVID. So it's, it's pretty um, scary. Mm -hmm. So you know, it's not like, uh, I don't know if you watched the movie Contagion. Yeah. Have you seen it? <laughs> I mean, I watched all of those. If you the, rewatch the that pandemic mm, movies, <laughs> if you rewatch that, that is it, this, the illness was so obviously dangerous for everyone, right? There was, you know, but here it's, oh, not, oh, only this percentage dies. So it's okay for us. Mm-hmm. But they don't talk about the long haulers and how much of an effect it has on people. I have teenagers that if they've had COVID, I can't approve them for sports without a cardiologist seeing them. Like if they've had a severe like case Even of if it, they don't have it anymore? Yeah. There could be some long-term effects. Really? Yeah. So, and those are the cases that are very serious. If they were hospitalized or if they were really sick for a long time and, and if it really hit them hard, those are the cases we have to worry about. Mm-hmm. So it's not just over and done. There's some things that, you know. Yeah happen you know don't spread misinformation and that we're all everything on the side of everybody on the side of science is lying and I don't have any ulterior motives I just I guess my only I this is where I could see some I don't know I don't want to say resistance but that whole like trust the science trust Mm -hmm. the science has been, I would say, a coined phrase for the last year. Mm -hmm. And rightfully so, because you want people to understand the science. But I think it almost can come across now as a propaganda. Like, what does that mean, trust the science every single time? Right. And, you know, there are times in our history where science wasn't right. 
and science is not always right. And it's evolving and ever changing. Right. And so I, and I know that hesitancy yeah. with that, but I don't know. You yeah. just have to hope for the best. And, you and, really and you can't, and, and you really you can't see. like focus on those people as much as you, you, that's what you do it professionally. But in terms of letting that get to you, you have to kind of let those chips fall where they are. Yeah. And you can't be angry about it and you can't go back and like uh, make fun of these people and troll them and all that. It doesn't even help. Like yeah. it doesn't help. You just have to say like, this is the science behind it. This is what we have to trust to believe because, you know, we're in such a unique situation now in history that we're all learning and we may not know exactly what to do all the time. And is, be is that exciting? Like, dang, we're in history. Like, <laughs> I don't think exciting would be the word. <laughs> we're in history. Frightening. It, I don't know. I don't think it's hit me that this is like big. Mm-hmm. This pandemic is big. It's changed everything about everyone and everything that we do from work to seeing friends. So many people's mental health has strained from this and the kids are struggling. I see a lot of like kids coming to me for their well checks. I'm like, how's school going? And they're like failing. And I'm like, Ugh. it is terrible. I know. And that I have to give is- them grace, right? As that it's a hard time right now. And I'm not going to be on you and say, you need to do better. You need to, because you know what? We're in such a weird time that everybody's struggling. So I'm going to ask you what we, what someone can, your teachers can do to help. And we're going to try from there because I want you to still succeed. But, but I don't know. I don't yeah. know how, how we kind of move forward from this and things are going to be different. Students now, when they go back to school, they're thrilled Oh. Students that never were thrilled before about going to school. They're like, forget it. I want to go to school. I want to be in person. In like, person. I will never complain again about going to school. <laughs> so I don't know. You know, and I, as a parent, I'm like, I want them to be in school. I want them to be with their peers. Yeah. I think having some sort of cohort mm-hmm. or peer group is so important. It it's how I, it's, it's how I unwind. It's how yeah. I connect and it's how I get a chance to recharge deep down inside is these conversations and, right. you know, girl time. I, I want them to have some like similar relationships. And to me, I, I think if I had a major concern, it would be how do we keep the, the status of our relationships going mm-hmm. despite being so Connected yet disconnected. I mean, we're all connected via Zoom and and there's Zoom fatigue, but how do we still stay connected in the heart? I don't know. I and then and then when you do connect and you finally say you get to a dinner and you see people you haven't seen, it's not the place where you want to share what's going on deep down in your heart because you just want to enjoy it. Right. And how do you get back to those deeper relationships and conversations? But those times I think are okay to share it. I mean, because that's we have a dinner and we share what's going on, share. This is what, because those important relationships are that, those deep relationships where we'll talk through things. It's not superficial. I don't want a dinner with you that's superficial. That is just like, how are you? Are you okay? Everything's fine. (laughs) Come on, there's something else. Tell me right now what's going on. Right now. (laughs) I like those kind because that's when your friends are there to help you through and talk it out and think, is there a different angle I can take with this situation in my life? Am I overreacting, underreacting? I love those dinners. Those are so important. Are you spiritual or religious at all? Um, I think I'm more spiritual, mm-hmm. not so much religious. I was spiritual in that, you know, when I think about my mom, 
to think that if she died and that's it is so is not. I don't know. Yeah, like where is she? Is like she what? in heaven and right. hell or purgatory? I have or no idea. I don't know what dog, that is. I don't know. Is it reincarnation? And and I don't know if I have any. Am I spiritual? Am I religious? Am I you know that, like? I think I believe all things. And like, do we reincarnate? I don't know. It would be cool to think about that. Am I going to come back as a bug? Like that's not cool to think about. Like. You know, am I going to come back as a spider, which I'm most afraid of to teach me some lesson? I don't know. Like, <laughs> or like spiritual and like, is my mom in heaven? Is she, you know, is she doing okay? Is she seeing all the things that I'm doing? Is she proud of the things? Like, I don't know, but I have to think about, I have to think about it in like a positive aspect or it's really going to weigh down on me. So mm. there was this moment, but I remember when my mom was dying we knew she was dying and she was not doing well and I said to her I'm like you know do something so I know that you're around like do something so I know you're there and I'm like what are, you know whatever and she's like okay and after she died I remember being in my room and being alone and the lights started to flicker in my room and I was so freaked out by it that I was like no 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 I don't like this you have to stop doing this I don't like this and it stopped and we never changed the light bulb. We never got any like electricity fixed or like any of those. Why? And I, to me, I'm like, it probably was her trying to be like, Hey, I'm here, but it freaked me out too much. So I didn't like it. And, and I think uh, at least in some way, give some, some comfort. Yeah. That she's, you know, that she's still connected. She's still there. Yeah. Watching. Right? Yeah. Here. I think the biggest thing is just not taking your family for granted and just, you know, asking questions and getting those stories because mm -hmm. you'll want them later. You'll want to know those stories later. What does your brother say? He's very quiet about it and he's very, he internalizes a lot of it. Mm -hmm. And I think when I was at college, he would ask me like, can you please come home? Like, I'm so sad here. And oh, I would just like break me because I want to be there for him, but I have to do this and I can't go home and do the same thing. So I would talk to him and be like, hey, I'll come home this weekend, okay? And we'll hang out and we'll, you know, we'll do fun things. And so I just had to become that mother figure for him. Be like, you have to go to school. You have to get a job. You have to do this. And so that was my role then is to take care of him mm -hmm. emotionally. So. And he's doing great. He's doing great. <laughs> you did a good job, yeah, mom. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, trying to make sure that he heals from it too, which you know, it's how do I heal from it? I think it's just taking time and just looking. So if someone else is going through, a lot of people are yeah. similar, losing parents. It's hard. Uh, specifically daughters. How would you advise them as they're going through? They're going to be facing emotions they probably haven't faced before. Mm -hmm. but what would you say to them? I think the biggest thing that I felt was alone and and I know that that's the feeling is that feeling of no one else understands the pain you're going through right now. And I would say is to reach out and, you know, find groups that have experienced the same or reach out to those friends that know, know you the best and know that family member the best and can just kind of reminisce with you, right? About those good times and how to get through it. I remember being at Marquette and I met a friend there on the bus. <laughs> I don't remember where we were going. She wasn't going with me. We just started talking on the bus. I don't know. I was sitting next to her and we became friends. And I found out that she had actually lost her mother 
a couple years prior and me getting to know her and her and I becoming friends was such a relief to me because I no longer felt alone because somebody else knew how I felt. Mm. And that made so much of a difference. I don't think my friend Jenny knows this, but it, it was huge for me because I'm like, I, nobody, everyone else has their moms around them. How? Yeah. They don't, they don't, they don't know. know. They don't know. And I feel lonely about it. What if, do you ever get angry? Like, this isn't fair. Uh, this isn't fair. That's not fair. You have your mom. I don't. She's gone. I can't talk to her. Yeah. How do you deal with that part? I don't get angry at other people unless they're treating their mom poorly. Mm-hmm. Then I get angry. But I don't get angry. I don't get jealous. I mean, I, I, I'll get sad if, you know, someone's getting married and their moms are in, you know, there and just doing everything. And mm-hmm. um, I get sad, but I don't get angry. I was angry in the beginning. Like, why her? She was so great. Why did this have to happen to her? Like, and us, we had such a good, you know, she was like the best mom and she was always there for me and my brother. So why? But, you know, just, it is what it is. And you just kind of move on and just think about the good things and the things you've learned from it. Mm -hmm. So what do you carry from her? When you think about how she lived her life, her philosophy on life, Mm -hmm. what do you think she would want to tell you if she were here today? Don't take things so seriously all the time. And not to be such a perfectionist all the time. How would she tell you that? She'd make a joke about it probably. Cause she always was very like just joked about things or, and it's so weird to say, cause I think back, I'm like, that was like 17 years ago. Do I, it's weird to think there was a time in my life that I had this mother. It's a, it was a different time. It was a different time. Do I even remember? And it's coming to the point where it's been so long. Like, do I remember? Yeah, you do. Do I, you, do. you know, and I, and I sometimes I'm like, do I remember her voice? I, I don't know. I, I don't know. But so. what would she tell you? She hears you saying that right now. You're, do I remember? Do I remember? What would she tell you? Uh, she would tell me to stop being so weird and you know what's going on. You know what I would say. You know, I'd be proud of you and all those things. And, you know, she was, she was always proud of us. She was always encouraging of us and she always made things fun. So she was very lighthearted, just, you know, didn't take things so like seriously, yeah. serious enough, but not where it was like toxic, right? Mm. Just let things go. Just have fun. Have fun. Let mm-hmm. things go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm. it's true. Because it's just, it's a burden to carry that much yeah. toxic negative energy with you. It is a burden. Mm-hmm. It's heavy. It's heavy. Mm-hmm. And it's something that you carry. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't understand, can't understand. And I admire you, mm. girl. <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, I've had so many people around me that actually helped me through that. I don't know where I would be. I, there's a moment where I was having such a bad time at school at Marquette where I was just struggling. Just, it was so sad. Everything was sad. I was depressed and I remember calling Lisette, right? And Lisette knew my mom the best. She did. She just knew her so well. And whenever we, me and Lisette would get in trouble, my mom would just tell us how disappointed she was. Not that we did really bad things, but you know, like yeah, if yeah. we would do so. And just that enough, just telling her she was disappointed in both of us yeah. 
was enough for us to turn our ways around. <laughs> Not that we did anything bad, but too bad. But yeah, and it, it, she knew her so well. And I remember I was, I'm like, I'm having a hard time. Like, I just, I'm not doing well. And she's like, well, I'm going to come up and we're just going to hang out. And I'm like, okay. So she came up and it turned into her trying to make me feel better and us just talking about her and just both of us just crying all the time. I'm like, you came up here to make it feel better. She's and like, and now you're crying. making me cry. <laughs> I was like, I think I just need that. I think I, when I was at Marquette, no one knew, not no one knew me, but they don't know my past. They don't know what my family and stuff, but I needed that piece of my past there mm -hmm. to make that connection. So yeah, kept me sane, I think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And also knowing that tears aren't bad. No, it's a release of it's all a release these emotions. If you don't cry, it's going to stay inside. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right? for sure. Mm -hmm. Rather let the water fall down. I think so. Right? Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I agree. So, yeah. Yeah, just cry it out. Just like not ugly cry though, because that's like not cute, right? <laughs> so it's got to be like cute cry. Like a cute cry. So, <laughs> and that's most important in all of this. If you take anything away, Keep never crying. ugly cry <laughs> <laughs> at least not on camera not on camera no, no. never <laughs> so daddy this was a great time yeah i had a great do you did you yeah. have a great time i did yeah i feel like i know your mom a little bit I, yeah. I, I never met her but i feel through this conversation like man i feel like i i know a little bit more yeah i think she was just like me so yeah she's just yeah just same personality. She would say like weird things all the time and we would just laugh at her. And I, me and my brother are just the same way. We just say weird, quirky things all the time and make jokes. And like, we're the like funny in our family, I think. And we just like are very, that's just what we have to do from now on. It's just to be the funny people and be the people that just make things more lighthearted. Mm -hmm. Not so serious. Cause can you find the humor in anything? Um, I'm that yeah. type of person, like, even if it's inappropriate, even if it's like, yeah, man, don't say this out loud, Andrea. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'll say it in my head or maybe later, but yeah, you have to, because it's just too heavy not to, mm -hmm. not to. So yeah. yeah, but she was definitely that person and she was always so funny. Mm. So is that, that, and her coworkers and her friends always thought that she was so funny too. So what was her name? Uh, her name was Narcisa, which is very Polish, which is actually a flower like a daffodil in Poland. So a mm -hmm. daffodil. Yes. In Poland. Mm -hmm. How do you say it again? Narcisa. Narcisa. Well, this episode will be dedicated to Narcisa. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. She was great. If I'm just like a little bit like her, just like her understanding of people and things. You that are. Be, that's what I hope. Mm -hmm. So, but, but yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Tuesdays with Andrea. There are hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there, and I appreciate you making the time to listen to mine. If you like this show and want to know more, check out TuesdaysWithAndrea.com or please leave a review on iTunes or drop a line in the YouTube comment section. Until next time, please stay kind in your mind, nice on the web, and stay hella hopeful in your heart.